BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, everybody. Let me tell you about voting by mail. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote-by-mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote-by-mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So visit votemailchicago.com. That's votemailchicago.com for call scripts and a petition. One more time, vote, V-O-T-E, mail, M-A-I-L, Chicago, C-H-I-C-A-G-O, dot com to make sure that every voter in Cook County has safe and equitable polling. That's correct. Discover more about our wondrous world-class city at the Chicago Architecture Center now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Plan your staycation exploring two floors of awe-inspiring exhibits, from our interactive city models to skyscrapers that change the world, and learn about the fascinating stories behind the fabulous facades. Book your tickets today at architecture.org. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Let's get today's show going here. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, September 10th is just moments away. But before we, oh, by the way, Ben, you have a song request. Oh, you'll know the song. And I think you love the song. So it's all good. Don't worry. Uh, Why do I keep picking it up now? That song, I love that song. Also a great song, but not the song of the day request. Uh, The Bendrovsky Show is brought to you by unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. All right. uh, Live stream chat. Make sure uh, you weigh in here. Make sure you can hear us okay. Coming in loud and clear, Ben Jarofsky, your song of the day request comes from Frank again. It's Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. Oh, my God. Uh, that's kind of thematic. To put what I'm, wow, Frank, you like read my mind. If you could read my mind. But that's not the song. The song is, I went down, 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 and the flames went high. Ring of Fire. Ring of Fire. This is my Johnny Cash. Ring of Fire. I love Johnny Cash. The man in black. Johnny Cash. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. 
It is Thursday, September 10th, and live from my apartment in his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's the return of 20th Ward Alderwoman, JT Jeanette Taylor. And now your host, not an older woman. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Uh, you caught me off guard with that one, D. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Hank Williams Jr. is out Thursday. And here's why. I'll tell you why. Because breaking news, breaking news. Hank Williams Jr. is out and Little Richard is in. Repeat, Hank Williams Jr. is out, and Little Richard is in as the opening singer for Monday Night Football, and I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, Ben, this is a political talk show. You're not allowed to talk sports. Dennis has made that clear many, many times. Yes, I have. Okay. Yes. Watch it. Watch it, buddy. (laughs) No sports talk. This is all about politics, ladies and gentlemen. Just follow me. It's politics and race, race and politics. Should just follow me. Okay. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> football is a game played largely by black men. I'm talking about professional football, the NFL, but it's following is majority white, including lots of MAGA watchers from red states. So the NFL has a dilemma, how to market a sport played by black men to white people. I can imagine they assemble the best and the brightest creative minds of the NFL into a conference room in New York City to ponder this challenge. And sorry, dude, just flip flop. (laughs) This is a different boy. By the way, on a tangent, I actually put a a sound from my phone when it rings because I have a triple to my phone. And one of the options was I'm like, whoa, the phones, great minds think alike. Anyway. Back to Hank Williams. They pondered the problem. And how about this? Bing! They came up with an idea. There you go. Have have Hank Williams Jr. sing the opening song to Monday Night Football. Dennis, could you just uh, allow people to hear what the Hank Williams Jr. opening uh, song is for Monday Night Football? Go ahead, young man. Absolutely. I'll let the brown line pass. Okay. Are you ready for some football? (laughs) Monday night. (laughs) Wait, what was the last line? Monday night. Yeah, baby. (laughs) It's got the cowboy hat, the jewelries, and the cowboy boots. Hand me a beer. And and the cheerleaders. Yay, wee, woo. Anyway, Hank Williams Jr. is the son of Hank Williams. I don't know if you knew this, Dennis. Really? He's the son of Hank Williams. (laughs) And he's... Whoa. (laughs) His name's Junior, and he's the yeah. son. Wow. And I'm going to blow your mind. Huh. Hank Williams Jr. has a son, and he's Hank Williams III. Oh. Okay? Just think about that for a moment, what all right? What kind of world are we living in? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. All right, put the pipe away. It's a radio. It's a podcast. Anyway, Hank Williams, as we all know, is a legend in country music. I will now sing a Hank Williams song. You ready, Dave? All right. Have you ever heard a whippoorwill? I'm so lonesome. <laughs> you know, folks, I have a confession to make. I'm a fan of Hank Williams. Anyway, uh, 
That's the daddy. The son, Hank Williams Jr., I must concede, is pretty talented in his own right. D, I must make that concession. Although his politics and mine, how do you put it, not on the same page. He's most definitely of the redneck variety. A sample Hank Williams Jr. song goes, is entitled, quote, If the South Would Have Won. If the South Would Have Won and the Would Have Won would have been the Civil War. The song reimagines the world if the South, not the North, had won the Civil War. Hank Williams Jr. imagines a redneck paradise where people get to drink whiskey all day and the women speak with Georgia accents and they just like randomly kill drug dealers in Florida. Not sure if they have a trial, if they just kill them, whatever. They just kill them. And there's not one mention of slavery. How convenient. Because, you know, had the South won, Presumably, it would have kept slavery around since that's what they had the war to, they fought the war to begin with. So you might say Hank Williams Jr.'s song, If the South Would Have Won, is sort of like a black, uh, backhanded endorsement of slavery. Oh, I know you're going to accuse me of being a snowflake, politically correct liberal. But guys, even MAGA has to realize that slavery is bad, right, MAGA? Softly silent from the MAGA corner there, D. Anyway. Despite the fact that he had written a song that sort of endorses slavery, Hank Williams was singing the opening song for Monday Night Book for many years. And MAGA watchers all over the country could say, yeah, football is for me, even if most of the players are black. And all the people, all the best and brightest minds in the creative division of the NFL back in New York goes, dodge that bullet. And then Hank Williams Jr. went a little too far. He gave an interview with Gretchen Carlson of Fox TV where he compared Barack Obama to Adolf Hitler. It led to the following exchange. Gretchen Carlson said, quote, you use the name of one of the most hated people in the world to describe, I think, the president, to which Hank Williams said, quote, that's true, but I'm telling you like it is. And so ESPN, which sponsors uh, Monday Night Football, quietly dropped Hank Williams Jr. from the opening Williams was defiant. He didn't care. He wrote a song called Keep the Change, in which he sang, quote, this country sure as hell has been going down the drain, end of quote, because, you know, what kind of country is it when you can't compare a moderate Democrat to a mass murderer? And Hank Williams Jr. kept hammering away at Obama during a performance at the Iowa State Fair in 2012. He called Obama a Muslim, telling the crowd, quote, waiting for the train to pass, building it up. Telling the crowd, quote, we've got a Muslim president who hates farming, hates the military, hates the United States, and we hate him. I'll just let that quote sit there for a while. Anyway, fast forward to 2017. Colin Kaepernick started taking the knee to protest police brutality. MAGA was in an uproar. Donald Trump was on the warpath, calling black knee-taking players sons of bitches. Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys was telling his players, you're going to toe that line because I told you to. And ESPN, worried that they may lose MAGA once for all, brought Hank Williams back. Yes, the man who wrote the song, sort of defending slavery, gets to be featured on one of the most popular TV shows in America. The man who called Obama a Muslim, even though Obama's Christian, and there wouldn't be anything wrong with Obama if he were a Muslim. A guy who says Obama hates the U.S. and we hate him. That guy comes right on back. No apologies required to reassure MAGA. And you wonder why Donald Trump is so popular in the South, ladies and gentlemen. In many ways, it's all about refighting the Civil War. Well, anyway, 
Apparently, ESPN has decided that with people in the street protesting police shooting black people and the country so divided and so much fear and hostility and anger out there, uh, maybe it might not be such a good idea to have a guy who sort of endorses slavery opening their show. So, oops, so out goes Hank Williams Jr. And in comes Little Richard. I guess we can call that progress we've got a great show today everybody Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor of the 20th Ward is coming on and she is fired up she's going to be talking a lot of local issues so our out-of-state listeners get that pencil and paper out gonna learn a lot about Chicago she's going to be talking about something called the Obama Presidential Center you're gonna learn about that Okay, and she's going to be talking about cannabis. Let's just put it this way. Jeanette Taylor, is <laughs> she's ready to talk about cannabis, D, and the uh, application process in which uh, so many black entrepreneurs got frozen out. She's got a lot to say about that. She's going to be talking about the National Guard referendum, uh, excuse me, resolution that the city council had considered the other day about bringing the National Guard to Chicago. And she's going to be talking about the presidential election. She has a few choice words to say about people who vote for Donald Trump. So, D, you know, Jeanette Taylor is not afraid to speak her mind, and she's going to speak her mind plenty. But before we do that, the man from Alton, the man that Jeanette Taylor loves to call Dr. Doobie oh, with the news. I didn't know that. <laughs> but, but not my name. I'm Dennis. Are you ready to find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon? It's my Hank Williams Jr. impression again, Ben. Really good. Sounds a little family guy, but, <laughs> oh, family you know, guy. I can see the distinction there. Do your family guy. Come on. Go ahead. Let, let the... La- Lois. Lois. <laughs> That's the family guy. No. You know what? No, nothing like Hank. I take anyway, it back. Come on. Nothing like it. Sorry. But seriously, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. First up, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Today, Governor Pritzker visited the Workforce Connection in Rockford, Illinois at 10 a.m. to announce plans to help Illinoisans who have become unemployed due to COVID-19. And Ben, right now, as we speak, he's at... Where else? The Thompson Center in Chicago for a COVID-19 update. We'll try to keep you posted on that update as today's program rolls along. So uh, let's just roll right along. The magic number is now 54. We're 54 days away from Election Day here in Illinois and across the nation. Listeners, are you going to go to the polls to vote? You voting by mail? Are you voting at all? Why? Well, we don't know. But while you decide on how you're handling all that, until we reach Election Day, Tuesday, November 3rd, we here on the Ben Jarofsky Show are going to try our best in doing our part by providing information on the local elections happening at the moment. Yesterday was our first installment of Meet the Candidates, where I play a fake car noise and we basically read off uh, info on the two candidates' websites. It needs a little work. The car bit was a little funky, but uh, the segment has legs, so that'll be coming back soon. But today, we have local candidate campaign ads to play, and with that comes the return of a dear old Ben Jarofsky show friend. I'm Jeannie Ives. Want to know why I'm running for Congress? Walk a mile in my shoes. Oh, yeah, let's go. It is time for our first 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. This is a 2020 Illinois General Election Candidate Update. 
All right. Okay. So yeah, we well, great. That's really great quality, man. We spare no expenses. <laughs> we try. All right. We try. So uh, we actually have three candidate ads to play today. And Ben, good news. You know information about all three of them. So you'll have plenty to riff on. That'd be good. <laughs> good for podcasting, if you ask me. Uh, our first ad comes out of the 14th Congressional District and Democratic incumbent Lauren Underwood. Her Republican opponent, Jim Oberweiss. Ben, you've actually had the opportunity to talk with Lauren Underwood on a few occasions. How do you feel she's done thus far in Congress, and what are your thoughts on her race against Oberweiss? Well, she's outstanding. Big fan of Lauren Underwood. And I say that even though uh, I am uh, to the left of Lauren Underwood. She's a moderate. Uh, and you're going to hear that in this campaign commercial. We'll talk about it a little bit. But, you know, uh, what she did in 2018 was remarkable, winning in that uh, in that district, beating Randy Holkren, uh, running as uh, well, she's from Naperville. So she's the daughter of Naperville. She's very much very clear, very local roots, uh, reassuring everybody that she's not a radical Democrat. Uh, she's no Ben Jarofsky. She's Lauren Underwood, you know, and uh, uh, she was able to eke out a victory in 2018. And but she came on the show a few times back in the old days to you when we were on the radio. Remember those good old days? Oh, yeah. And uh, she came on the show because she also wanted to reach that contingent of lefty listeners that we had to, to re you know, reassure them that uh, she was better than Randy Hulkren. Uh, so she has a, you know, uh, she has to walk that path, that narrow path where she doesn't want to go too far to the left. That would uh, scare people in her district. But she wants to reassure lefties and uh, liberals. Well, just have to reassure liberals. Uh, they get it. But uh, she has to reassure lefties that she, no matter how moderate she may sound, she's still way better than a Republican. So that's, I've got a lot of respect for Lauren Underwood because she knows how to play the game. All right. You mentioned it. Yes, this Lauren Underwood ad takes a different approach. People, you're about to hear a Democratic candidate promoting bipartisanship while working alongside President Donald Trump. Just didn't want to catch any of you off guard here before we play it. Here we go. Let's play the ad from 14th Congressional incumbent and candidate Lauren Underwood. The ad is titled Everywhere. Lauren Underwood is everywhere. Over 25 town halls, 135 community events. She's responsive to the district. I knew that my community deserved better leadership. Making a difference in Washington. Three pieces of legislation signed into law by President Trump. My responsibility is to represent the 720,000 people in the 14th district. And she's just getting started. I'm Lauren Underwood, and I approve this message. She's been Sweet. everywhere, man. She's been everywhere. A heavy Johnny Cash theme today. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere. I've been a downstate, upstate, side state, left state, right state. I've been everywhere. Uh, they should have Johnny Cash uh, be the opening for the MAGA. You know, to reassure MAGA people for Monday Night Football. They should have Johnny. I'm a big fan of Little Richard. Uh, but, uh, you know, Johnny Cash would. MAGA would be like, oh, yeah, I really. The man in black. I really feel really sure that football is for me, too. The original. To the original Little, by the way. Uh, before Lil Wayne and uh, all the other Lils, there was Lil Richard. Little Richard. Yes, indeed. Well, he. Your knowledge is really amazing of 1950s rock and roll. I've got to give you a lot of credit. Little John. Uh, all right, back, 
Back to uh, back to Lauren uh, Underwood. Uh, three pieces of legislation signed by President Trump. Now, if it were a Democratic primary uh, and she was rerunning, you know, with a challenger from the left, they would be trashing Donald Trump. I hate Donald Trump. But, you know, she's running in the general election and she wants to reassure swing voters uh, that she's bipartisan in nature, playing pretty much the same game that Joe Biden uh, is playing. And Dennis, I have so many mixed feelings about this, I must tell you. Uh, on the one hand, I realize that not everybody in the world agrees with me. I realize that lefties like myself are uh, we're treated like fringe, fringe to the political process, hence the show in the attic overlooking the porta potty. And so we're, you know, we're not a part of the mainstream. And if Lauren Underwood wants to be reelected, she has to appeal to mainstream people who somehow or other still believe, I don't know how they can possibly believe this, that a spirit of bipartisanship exists somewhere in the political universe. Ladies and gentlemen, bipartisanship has not existed in Washington since the 1990s when Newt Gingrich destroyed it, annihilated it, and declared war on Bill Clinton, who himself was a moderate. Bill Clinton himself was a moderate. And yet they Newt Gingrich pretended that Bill Clinton was too extreme. And by doing that, he pushed the Democratic Party to the right. We all know they passed that anti-crime, that tough, get tough on crime bill, I should say. More police, lock people up, three strikes and you're out. Joe Biden is still dealing with that as a problem because he was a, one of the chief sponsors of it today as he runs for office, trying to bring the left uh, wing of the party together, trying to convince black voters that he just doesn't want to just lock up black people. So the Democrats have to struggle with this because there is no bipartisanship on the Republicans. The Republicans take any attempt by the Democrats to appeal to their liberal or left base as like what? Socialism. We're heading down the path toward Cuba, Venezuela. All right. And so like even if you have something like health care for all Obamacare, which does away with the notion of pre-existing conditions. Even if you have something as moderate and popular as that, you're an extremist. And so the Republicans pound this drum. And yet Democrats who are running in districts that are purplish, that have Republican leanings, and I believe Lauren Underwood's district in 2016 went for Donald Trump. Democrats who are running in districts like that have to be very cautious and have to distance themselves from the lefty wing of the Democratic Party and show that they believe in bipartisanship. And hence, she accentuates that she had three pieces of legislation signed by President Trump. Now, there's part of me that wonders, how good can the legislation be if Donald Trump signed it? But I don't know what legislation it was, D. For all I know, it was a resolution honoring Dr. D. It's Dr. D Day in the state of Illinois. Oh, wow. <laughs> cool. You know, she doesn't identify the legislation, so I don't know what it is. But I don't blame her, D. I don't blame her one bit. It's one thing to be a, pod show, a podcast host in his attic overlooking the porta potty, you know, pounding the lefty drum. And it's another thing trying to get Republican like suburban voters to put aside their fears and vote for you. So good for you, Lauren Underwood. Keep it up. Yeah, that's the, you got to play the game. 
got to play the game and she's playing the game and she's doing it well. And I don't care if my uh, Republican brothers and sisters are outraged, outraged that she sneaks in because um, ultimately I think we're better off as a, as a country with a Democrat representing that district than as a, than with a Republican. Once again, Lauren Underwood is running for reelection in the 14th congressional district against Republican Jim Oberweiss. All right. Our next series of ads comes from the two candidates involved in what could be the most entertaining election in Illinois. It's the sixth congressional district race between incumbent Sean Caston and his conservative opponent, 2018 Illinois gubernatorial candidate and no one's favorite reoccurring character on the Ben Jarofsky show. Maybe mine. Maybe mine. I don't know. Maybe mine. It's Jeannie Ives. Ben, you've also had the opportunity to talk with Mr. Caston. How do you feel he's done thus far in the 6th Congressional District? And what are his chances against Jeannie Ives? Well, I got to hear these commercials before we get into uh, what are his chances against Jeannie Ives. Uh, I got to see what how she's playing this. But, uh, I, you know... I, did I interview Ken? I guess I did interview Ken. Yeah, that was on uh, the WCU later days. Yeah, that was the W. Yeah, he, did he? I don't. Did he come in? Can't remember if he. Yeah, came he came in. in. He came in. He, I, I just remember, you know, uh, dealing with his um, advanced man. Uh, they were very cautious. That was that. That was a, a that. Now that's a district. That's a district that went for Hillary Clinton, uh, and it's more based in DuPage County. Uh, and the Democrats in that area were determined uh, uh, to uh, take back that. I can't remember who the it's so funny. I cannot remember at the moment. I know Frank can help me out here. Frank. Who was the uh, who was the incumbent that uh, Kasten defeated? Uh, I can't believe I can't. Remember. I can see his face. I just can't remember. But that guy uh, was far too to the right for that district. Uh, and uh, he also was arrogant and wouldn't show up to um, town hall meetings. Uh, and so he was like, like an absentee congressman. And uh, but that was a district that had been Republican for years. But clearly the demographics had changed. And there was a very contested Democratic primary cast in one. And he was cautious. He's like, well, you know, this, this lefty hippie guy. <laughs> you know, you know, Dave. Like, I guess I gotta go on his show, but uh, you know, I don't know. Is there some way of not letting anybody know he's left the uh, Tell me, what are the snacks in the vending machine? Tell me that. <laughs> if they're good, I'll go. I got such a bizarre relation with my de- beloved Democrat. I've been voting Democrat for all these years, Dave. You ever notice how like the like the liberals like, stay away from stay away from that guy? He's really weird. Oh, yeah, uh, shout out to Frank. He's got the update. Peter Roscom. Yes. Thank you, Frank. How can I forget Peter Roscom? Well, you did. <laughs> you know, I want to blame it on all the reefer I smoked, but yeah, I'm smoked since 1981. So uh, it was 79 anyway. last time I uh, talked uh, to you. Who can remember? It was 80. a long time ago. <laughs> oh, it's it's been up two day. years. <laughs> okay. 79, 1980, 1981. Well, what's the thing? We weren't even born yet, all right? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Peter Roscom, what a piece of work that guy was. He would be like run away. Constituents would come, uh, uh, Congressman Roscom, I want to talk to you about, uh, that railroad exchange. The train is really loud. He's out the back door. Uh, I gotta go. Bye. Uh, He was always running away. That's the other thing. Lauren Underwood in that commercial, she's had a gazillion town halls. If you're a Democrat in a district that's mostly Republican, 
you better have a lot of town hall meetings and you better be willing to show up and meet your constituents, even if they yell at you, even if they're Hank Williams Jr. fans and they want Hank Williams brought back. Can you imagine that? Lauren Underwood, Congressman Underwood, what's your position on Hank Williams Jr. of being the opening singer for Monday Night Football? There, there's a tough situation for a Democrat to handle. How do you handle that one? A lot oh, of ducky quit, quit giving these guys tips. <laughs> Somehow or other, I just really don't understand it. It's politically acceptable for the Republican Party to endorse Hank Williams Jr., who sings a song sort of like hopefully thinking about what would happen if the South had won the Civil War. How in this political universe is that acceptable? I just really don't understand that, how that is acceptable. If the South would have won. Like, what does... I I realize, I know a lot of you MAGA hat wearers out there. What a tangent here, D. I know a lot of you MAGA hat wearers out there think I'm always being too politically correct and I'm a snowflake. But seriously, slavery? Somehow or other, I think we can draw the line at slavery, right? I'd like to believe that MAGA hat wearers are not ready to endorse slavery. And yet, that's the Hank Williams Jr. song. D, I I just, I don't know. I just can't get over that song. It's, this guy was, he had the prime position in Monday Night Football for years. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Where was I? Oh, while while yes. while tear in my beer is a good song, I uh, I'd agree with you on Hank Williams. Uh, yeah, I just you know just was wondering, uh, Maga. Come on, you got to draw the line at slavery, right? I mean, I think even the Tribune editorial board might come out with an editorial denouncing slavery. I don't know. They may. They probably would ignore it. <laughs> kind of controversial. <laughs> you know, we don't want to upset any of our uh, readers uh, of the MAGA persuasion. Uh, yeah. I don't want President Trump to tweet, so... And people on the right, yeah, you guys think it's gross when the other side does it. Uh, yeah, it turns out it's gross uh, when you guys do it, too. It's, it's equally gross, so, you know. Yeah, so anyway, where was I? Oh, uh, Sean Caston. So my attitude is, and my advice, I hate to say this, D., I guess this means I'm a, a, a self-hating lefty. Stay away from the Ben Jarofsky show if you want to get up. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. That's not how you get listeners. Remember all the old times when, like, the uh, the J.B. Pritzkers of the world would come into the studio and I'd ask them about, like, Lincoln Yards? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 or <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> 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 So much talking and dodging and weaving and bobbing, soft shoe dance. Man, JB, I'll be dancing or dancing around that one going, why did I come on this show? Uh, I was shaking my head. I remember that interview with JB Pritzker. We've talked about it before. But when you ask, oh, so, man, why'd you flip flop on Obama in 2012? I'm just like, oh, my God, shaking my head. Ben, what are you doing? I did not flip flop. I am. Yeah, yeah, anyway, so, uh, what, <laughs> uh, lefty talk show house. D, D, to improve the ratings, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm considering, I didn't tell you this. We need to discuss it in the oh, okay. pre-show. Oh. I'm thinking of moving to the right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm thinking, well, I'm thinking of endorsing Trump. Well, Got to improve the ratings, okay? You get those Tea Party emails every day, you're on the right track. I mean, if I, just think about this. If I come out for Trump, the right will, like, oh, man, this is our guy. <laughs> 
I love this Javorsky guy. <laughs> who sent me an email yesterday? Spelled it Javorsky. I forget who it was. Whatever. I still love it. I read the email. All so right. anyway, back to uh, uh, where are we at? Sean Caston. Yes, he's got to go play. You know, walk down the middle of that road. Don't want to offend anybody. It's a bipartisan era. D. Uh, apparently, some people still out there who believe that you know the Republicans are just ready to make peace and love and embrace. They're, I've not seen one bit of evidence to support that, but God bless you for believing. Hey, a lot of people believe in Santa Claus, D. A lot of 10-year-olds believe in Santa Claus. All right, don't, don't alienate <laughs> our young listeners now. Some of them may, <laughs> may still believe. There may be like an 8-year-old out there. What? <laughs> lot of, by, by the way, our survey show we're huge with 8-year-olds. Big 8-year-old Democrat. Man, this show's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Love the Ben Jarofsky show. Love those references to 1960s songs. <laughs> Love the Beatles. Uh, tell your kids, everybody. All right, let's play these casting ads, all right? Uh, all right, John, uh, Sean Caston. I ahead. have two 15-second ads to play. And, well, I guess the theme of the day is bipartisanship. Because yes. these two Sean Caston ads are endorsements from uh, an Illinois Republican. And not just any Illinois Republican. Kasten gets the endorsement from former Illinois GOP chairman Pat Brady. Now comes the underlying question. Is the former GOP chairman crossing the aisle with his vote this year because Kasten is so good? Or is it? And who are we kidding? <laughs> it is. Because Jeannie Ives yeah. is so bad. Here are the ads from Kasten. I'm Pat Brady, a lifelong Republican, but I can't support Jeannie Ives for Congress. Ives makes Trump look reasonable. She's attacked same-sex families, even questioned the science behind climate change and the coronavirus. Ives is on the wrong side of history. All right, we got one more. I'm Pat Brady, a lifelong Republican, but this year I'm voting for Sean Kasten for Congress. Sean's a businessman and scientist who makes decisions based on facts, never politics. He's worked across the aisle to protect our health and get our economy moving again. Yeah, that is pretty extraordinary uh, that, uh, but I think we should put a heavy emphasis on former Republican Chairman D uh, because there's no way that the current Republican Party, the leaders of the current Republican Party are going to denounce uh, Donald Trump. She, I think he said the line was she's even more extremist than Donald Trump. I think that was the line as it went fast. I, she I makes Donald Trump look bad. <laughs> so uh, Donald Trump is worshipped by Republicans uh, in the state of Illinois by the voters. And so as a result, the leaders of the Republican Party, no matter what they think of Donald Trump, have embraced him. And uh, the leading voices of the Republican Party have embraced him, like the aforementioned Chicago Tribune editorial board and all right-wing columnists. They feel compelled uh, to endorse Donald Trump because that's where the rank and file is, and they don't want to lose the rank and file. God forbid they say anything critical of the Republican voters. They're based they let the base lead them. I'm wondering how far they'll allow the base to lead them. You know, will they too endorse slavery uh, like the Republican base is apparently or some parts of the Republican base? So, uh, yeah, but apparently uh, Brady has decided that Donald Trump and Jeannie Ives are too extreme. Uh, she's even I think there was a climate change denier. We were talking about Tom Morrison. He's state rep. He, we were talking about his race yesterday Maggie, against Maggie Trevor, the Democrat. He's a climate change denier, too. Donald Trump is a climate change denier. The, the Republican Party 
has tied itself to a person who denies that man is impacting the climate. Meanwhile, the Lake Michigan is rising because the glaciers are melting and all the water is pouring in. Got forest fires raging in Florida uh, and in Oregon. Uh, they want to, they, the one state, this is so bizarre. The, the Republican Party is so weird. The one state where they are, uh, they're, they're keeping the ban on uh, drilling, offshore drilling is Florida. And that's because they don't want the oil spills to upset the tourist industry. So the people who are in charge of the tourist industry have like said that Donald Trump, hey, Donnie, if there's an oil spill, we won't get the tourists. We'll lose money. So you, I, you know, sounded like a Sopranos care. character there. Hey, Donnie. Wait, what did you say? It sounded like a Sopranos character. Hey, Donnie. No, hey, Donnie. I was feeling my inner Sopranos. Hey, Danny. Danny. Hey, Danny. Hey, Danny. <laughs> I get all these weird updates on my computer, by the way. Hey, Danny. We don't want the offshore drills. Can we move them? The oil? I mean, just move it to California. Who cares if if the if they pollute the waters? That's a liberal state. No, Trump's okay. Sounds good to me. That's my Donald Trump imitation. And somehow so, it gets know, worse every every day. So I don't understand it. It's either pollution is bad, like it is in Florida, or it's not bad. Republican Party really, you know, there's they don't want to take a stand on this. They, they're dedicated to the notion that climate change is a hoax because it's like the equivalent of wearing a mask or wearing a bike helmet. Somehow or other, believing that we should protect the environment is unmanly in their minds. Somehow it's tied into their sense of what's masculine and what a real man would do. And real men don't worry about climate change. And so, you know, that's the Republican Party right now. Tribune, that's your Republican Party. That's that's who you've embraced. That's you. Every day you wake up and you that's your you you continue that pledge of loyalty to this insane Republican Party. Let's see. What are their planks? One, they wish the South would have won. Two, uh, oil spills are bad in Florida, but okay everywhere else. And uh, Barack Obama hates the United States and is a Muslim, even though he's Christian and it wouldn't matter if he was a Muslim. So that's the Republican Party right now. That was the third one. Yeah. So anyway, uh, apparently Pat Brady has decided enough's enough. Uh, And so that's why I say let's accentuate the former in that title of former Republican Party chair. So he's endorsing Sean Caston, and that endorsement is a heck of a lot more valuable than mine. Can you imagine my endorsement? Uh, Sean Caston is Ben Jarofsky, a well-known lefty podcaster. I'm endorsing Sean Caston because he's better than Jeannie Ives. And then he'd be going, Tommy, he's a Tommy. So anyway, good for you, Sean Caston. You found a Republican to endorse you. Uh, and, and good for you, Pat Brady. I always have to praise a Republican when they say something like remotely sane. Apparently, you believe that uh, mankind is partly responsible for all the pollution that we see all around us, as opposed to what? It's a hoax concocted by the Chinese. So anyway, that's your party, Republicans. Heck of a party. Go ahead, D. Shout out to Brianna on the live stream chat. She says, I love political ad season. Me too, Brianna. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Dude, me too. Uh, we, we, I love it too, man. Listen to these ads. The voices, the, the, uh, 
uh, you know, like the, the, we half of the imitations I have are from political ads. Be scared. Be very scared. I like that one. We can get you some work with that one. All I right. know, man. I can't get any work. Need some work. All right, and not to be upstaged by her opponent, Jeannie Ives released a new ad as well. No Democratic endorsements in this one, so the bipartisan theme is over. And no, she doesn't trash former Governor Bruce Rauner. That was two years ago. Keep up, would ya? This ad tells us all about Jeannie and her story. Sadly, no digs at Gaston calling him a hippie snowflake. I'm sure... I'm sure we'll get that one soon, but here's the latest ad from Jeannie Ives, Republican 14th Congressional District candidate. I'm Jeannie Ives. Want to know why I'm running for Congress? Walk a mile in my shoes. A journey of service starts with one step. I took my first step in jump boots, serving my country in the Army just out of West Point. Then I traded my Army boots for athletic shoes, coaching cross-country and raising my kids. But duty called again. I stepped into heels and a new job. And in the state house, I battled corruption wherever I found it, protected taxpayers with every vote, and reached across the aisle to work for you. Now, I'm stepping up for a new fight to save this country from those who would destroy the values that forged our nation and make it strong, to rebuild our economy, and to get our nation working again to build on the promise only America can make and keep. I'm Jeannie Ives. When you need me, I'll always step up. Jeannie Ives for Congress. Oh, rocking guitar there. <laughs> Holy cow. Folks, wow. I, I'm momentarily... I'm momentarily speechless, okay? <laughs> that ad... Just talk about rewriting history, okay? <laughs> First of all, the bouncy, upbeat Genie Ives. Hi, I'm Genie Ives, and I'm just doing this and doing that. Dropping the G's. Doing this doing that, because I'm Genie Ives. Let me just say this to you. I'm going to now say something nice about Genie Ives. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Let me think this through. i got to think this through. I'm going to drink some water while I think this oh, through. Oh, great, on. great, great podcasting here. <laughs> <laughs> some dude drinking water. Genie Ives is so far right that she falls off the planet. Okay, she's so far extreme right. But I will give her credit for this because she ran at Rauner from the right. Caused him so much problems. <laughs> I, I know you guys don't want to hear me, you know, my recitation of the 2018 gubernatorial race. One of my favorite political oh, races man. of all times. Okay. Great times. Bruce Rauner was elected governor in 2014 in a very bizarre coalition that consisted of people who despised unions and wanted him to follow through on his promise to turn Illinois into Scott Walker's, of uh, a version of Scott Walker's Wisconsin by annihilating unions. That's what Bruce Rauner stood for. At the same time, part of that coalition were people who believed in a woman's right to choose. One of the most bizarre coalitions of all times. All right. And he pledged that if he were elected governor, he would not uh, support any programs, any laws that would take away a woman's right to choose that would in any way curtail a woman's right, reproductive rights. That was a pledge he made. That was a pledge his wife made. And then about halfway through, <laughs> feeling pressured from the far right in uh, the Republican Party, 
Bruce uh, Rauner flip-flopped and signaled that he'd be willing to vote against a reproductive rights bill. Terry Cosgrove and, uh, and all the reproductive rights activists in the state rose up angry, put him right in the middle, put the squeeze play on Rauner. It's like, you broke your promise. And Rauner suddenly didn't know what to do. Uh, His uh, coalition. uh, I don't know what to do. And so he finally flip-flopped again. Uh, Hi. I've been known to flip-flop. Back to supporting reproductive rights. And Jeannie Ives was so enraged that she ran at him from the right and ripped him. And there was no of that bouncy Jeannie Ives. Hi, I'm Jeannie Ives. Walk a mile in my shoes, Jeannie Ives. No, it was like red meat eating Jeannie Ives. This (laughs) douchebag. He's got to go. I remember. She ripped him. Remember at the Tribune? Uh, they had the editorial. Oh, oh, oh. That was Ron Jeannie Ives. <laughs> and the Tribune's like, yeah. <laughs> Finally, someone who sees the world the way we do. Anyway, she lost to Rauner, but she did so much damage to him on the right uh, that it was that much easier for uh, J.B. Pritzker to, to defeat Bruce Rauner. Yay! Yay for our teachers. Oh. That's my... And uh, so I have to give credit to Jeannie Ives for helping defeat Bruce Rauner and ending the Rauner reign uh, in Illinois. But the notion that there's like this new bouncy upbeat reaching across the aisle, Jeannie, but that is the funniest thing. Talk to any Democrat. We got to bring KC back, Kelly Cassidy, state representative from Rogersburg. Talk to any Democrat about Jeannie Ives and the role she plays in Springfield, the notion that she reached across the aisle. She reaches across the aisle to hit you upside the head. <laughs> That's the only time she reached across the aisle. Loving these so this- sound effects. <laughs> reaching across the aisle. And then in the same t- breath, right after saying reaching across the aisle, they're destroying our values. How is that reaching across the aisle to say that like anybody who disagrees with you is destroying our values? It's not very reaching across the aisle, bolt. You know what I'm saying? I just made that up, reaching across the eyeball. It's just like totally contradicts. So it's like in in that one commercial, she wants to appeal to the raw red meat eating crowd of MAGA. Don't worry. I I believe that they're destroying the values. And somehow to convince a swing voter, I'm all for reaching across the aisle. Sorry, Jeannie Ives. It's not working. The only way anybody will fall for that is if they're utterly clueless, haven't been paying attention to politics at all, know nothing about politics, which, you know, is probably a significant segment of the populace. Yeah, there's more of them than us, dude. There's more of them than us. They're like, oh, I really like this bouncy uh, Jeannie Ives, <laughs> but I like to walk a mile on my shoe thing. I think I'll vote for her. Do not get it twisted. There's more of them than You're right. us. You're right. You are absolutely right. Brianna, so. Brianna on the live stream chat says, uh, hey, uh, the guitar riff's not going to convince us to vote for Jeannie. I don't know, Brianna. <laughs> it's pretty badass. I liked it. <laughs> right now, there's a lot of constituents out in the 8th Congressional doing air guitar. Man, that's like Jeannie Ives, man. That's good stuff. Yeah, man. No, that Jeannie Ives commercial. All right. Welcome out of my shoes. Okay, Jeannie. So, I want to thank you one more time, Jeannie Ives. 
for running against Bruce Rauner. Yeah, thank you for all the content you've provided uh, to this program. <laughs> made my, made a lot of easy days for a producer. All right, so Ben, you heard the ads from both our candidates. You're now in the hot seat. Can you feel it? Oh, my God. Oh, no. What do, you, what do I have to do? <laughs> Kasten or Jeannie Ives, who had the better ad? Well, I think that Kasten obviously had the better ad. I mean, it's... it's uh, what's the word? It's... Uh, it's more accurate, I'd say. You know, it's more accurate to say that uh, Sean Kasten has made an attempt to be bipartisan and is bringing over some moderate uh, Republicans. And there are moderate Republicans out in DuPage County. Yes, there are Republicans, I presume. The, 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 that little contingent of Republicans who think it was a good idea, uh, who are relieved, I should say, that the North won. The Civil War, you know what I'm saying? That contingent of Republicans. I know they're a minority in their party these days, but who believe that it's a good thing for this country that slavery ended. That contingent of the Republicans. I think there's enough of them to reelect Sean Kasson. Uh, so I would have to say that uh, Sean Kasson's are more accurate. That's the word I'm looking at. They're more accurate. Jeannie Ives just made up this fictitious character. The new bouncy Jeannie Ives. It's like a novel. Hi, I'm Jeannie Ives. Every day I go to work and I put my shoes on. That that Jeannie Ives just does not in any way correspond to the real Jeannie Ives. I wish she were honest. I wish she had said, I love Donald Trump. Remember, she had the Donald Trump sign. Remember, that was an issue. Uh And she had the Donald Trump sign. Proud of it. (laughs) I wear the MAGA hat and I wear it proudly. Guys, he's cool. Come on. (laughs) I wonder what Jeannie Ives' position is on uh, should the South have won. I wonder what her position is on that one. I, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, ask her that in the next debate. So, Sean Kasten has the better ad, according to the Ben Jarofsky show. But I got to say, the Jeannie Ives had, uh, had way cooler music, all right? A better guitar riff. Way better because there guitar. was no guitar riff at all. Hey, Sean, could you bring in a guitar player? For Christ? Stop being so cheap. All come right? on, bring yeah. Get some player. beats in there. Sean Puffy Caston. Come on, let's hear it. And there it was, a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. <laughs> that was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Yeah. That is great production. That's all I got to say. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> we spare no expenses on the Ben Jarofsky show. Oh, and one more update. Uh, in a race here in the city of Chicago, Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox will be joining the Sun-Times with her two state's attorney's opponents. Uh, let's see here. We got uh, her Republican challenger, Patrick W. Pat O'Brien mm-hmm. uh, for it's a Sun-Times editorial board meeting. They will be meeting both candidates and oh, and the Libertarian candidate whose actual name is Brian Dennehy. That's his real name. Like the actor. Well, wow. Yeah. That's a great actor. I love Brian. You may have my vote. Uh, It's going to be at 2 p.m. today. (laughs) No, I'm voting for Kim Fox. Yeah, who are we kidding? But, I mean, Brian Dennehy, I don't know. Uh, Be sure to watch watch it at the Chicago Sun-Times website, but do it after our show. What? For 10 trivia points, Hmm. let's see if you can pull this off. Okay. What Chris Farley movie did Brian Dennehy star in? Oh, come on, Tommy Boy. Yeah, the man knows (laughs) he was insulted, folks. If you could have seen his face, like a look of genuine insult. You kidding me? Huh? I've only seen it fifty times. Okay, greatest movie ever. 
Fantastic it movie. movie. It is. How about when they're in the car driving and that song comes on and they're like, oh, this song sucks. And the next thing you know, they're singing the song together. Love that part of the movie. My favorite part of the movie. All right. Uh, with the time we have left here, let's give the ball to Ben. Ben told me to, quote, give him the ball on uh, the following story here. Okay, there, the train is popping today, buddy. The train is really running. And I have this new theory about the train. Well, let's hear it. Uh, well, the new theory, which it's it's a theory. There's nothing to support it whatsoever. Uh, and you go, Ben, why would you give a baseless theory? And well, it worked wonder for uh, Donald Trump. So we're going to try it. I think the train is louder since the pandemic. Yeah, I, I agree. You do? Get the wrong wow. out, huh? That's weird. <laughs> I think it's louder, and I'm not quite sure why it would be louder. Maybe, uh, do you think it's because there's nobody on it that the train is? We, we should ask, we must have some physicists out there in our audience who explain this. Like, if a train is crowded, does it make less noise? I don't know. D, look into that, all right? Get back to me, okay? Yeah, the train, there, there's been times where it sounds like you have the damn window open. It's, it's blaring. It sounds like a roller coaster or something. I'll tell you what. There's a moment at about four in the morning where that train is so loud. I think it's in my bedroom. I don't know what's going on because, you know, the windows are open. It's cool. All of a sudden, that tra- I'm, I'm literally next to the train, ladies and gentlemen. And that. Oh, train- they know. They know. <laughs> they listen. They know. They can hear us shaking. I'm like, whoa. God. Yeah, not new news to them. Hey, here's a little something you may not know. I live right next to the train. Uh, <laughs> dude, we've listened to two shows uh, in the last few months. Uh, we know. Good times. All right, we got an update on Madigan Gate. The time, Ooh. the time Ooh. you till. Oh, you okay? No, oh, I love Madigan oh, Gate updates. Hey, hey, stubbed your toe. All right, uh, the time utility bigwigs ComEd admitted to arranging jobs, arranging contracts, and arranging payoffs to associates of Illinois House Speaker Michael Joseph. Madigan. The following comes <laughs> from the Chicago Sun-Times and Rachel Hinton. Uh, beleaguered Illinois House Speaker Mike Madigan can soon be asked to publicly explain his dealings with ComEd. At least that's what Republicans were planning Wednesday on the eve of the first meeting of a special bipartisan legislative panel co- uh, convened to explore the political and legal minefield. Well, that's a very wordy uh, paragraph. <laughs> I can't keep up. What is it? Uh, ben Jarofsky, go. You told me to give you the ball. The ball is yours. Go. Well, you know, I've flip-flopped on this one, D. And, um, How's that sound uh, again? First, I was uh, flip-flopped. That's the flip-flop sound. Uh, first, I said that Michael Joseph Madigan should step down. Uh, that he had gone too far, that Commonwealth Edison had uh, admitted that they had put his cronies on the payroll uh, in order to uh, appease him. And uh, that's just bad news for the Democratic Party is not a good look, to put it mildly, as uh, we head into the uh, 2020 uh, election cycle. It's just not good government, and he should step down. Uh, So I said that. Uh, even though that put me odds with uh, many people in the Democratic Party who either uh, supported him openly or were hiding under the table with the Chicago Tribune editorial board uh, who were afraid to say anything bad about Donald Trump. And then I decided that, you know what, I was a sucker and I was a sap. 
that here I am playing this good government game saying that Michael Joseph Madigan should step down because he has clearly violated what is obvious tenet of good government. And uh, he's been doing it for years with his property tax business. Here I am, you know, just being Dudley Do-Right about, oh, he must step down because this is wrong. And not one Republican, not one Republican, except for Mitt Romney. All right, Mitt Romney, give him that. We'll say that Donald John Trump should step down or should be impeached or has done anything wrong. They're so afraid of one of his little tweets that they just, all they do is denounce Democrats. So you, that's when I realize you do not have a principled opposition to bad government, Republicans. You do not have a principled opposition to corruption, Republicans. You do not even have a principled opposition to rape. Donald John Trump has been accused of rape and yet you continue to support him. You're, you have no principles whatsoever. It's merely tactics in a game to defeat the Democrats. And I'm a sucker and a sapty to uphold principles. So you know what? If the Republicans aren't going to have any principles, I'm not having any principles either. I'm going to open a window and throw them out. There, I just threw them out. What about our theme? Bipartisanship. Oh, yeah. Bipartisanship. That's a game for suckers and saps. Sorry, Sean Kasson. Sorry, Lord Underwood. <laughs> They're about to crucify Michael Joseph Madigan for something that Donald Trump does every day. Check out the Oracle deal, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't believe me. Putting cronies on the on the payroll, everything. So I flip-flopped, and I'm saying uh, I want the Democrats to uh, rally behind Michael Joseph Madigan, just like the Republicans rally around Donald Trump. I mean, why go through the pretense? of believing in good government if you only believe in good government when you can use it as a stick to pound Democrats. You make a travesty of good government. You make a mockery of it. Uh, and uh, so why why play their game? It's sort of like the fair map game where people, good government types in the state of Illinois goes, you know, we believe in a fair map and we should not have a map that gives the Democrats an advantage. And uh, so they get all these people to sign their petitions, fair maps. Yeah. Meanwhile, (laughs) Republicans up in Wisconsin and Michigan and North Carolina, gerrymandering like crazy to keep their advantage. And they're like laughing at the Democrats. What a bunch of doofuses. Oh yeah. Sure guys. (laughs) Yeah. We believe in fair maps when it's a Democrat who's drawing the maps, then we want the maps drawn fairly. But when it's a Republican drawing the maps, we want to draw them to our advantage. So, you know, D, sucker's game. I'm not playing it anymore. So I've done the official flip-flop. Sticking off this Michael Joseph Madigan. Yeah, you make Democrats look bad, but so what? Republicans are going to be such hypocrites. We'll be hypocrites, too. And by the way, the Rachel Hinton article uh, brings back an old friend of our show, Steve Brown. He hasn't been on in a while. Steve Brown is a uh, spokesperson. Steve uh, Brown! For Michael Madigan. Uh, and uh, I've always loved, I've been interviewing Steve Brown. I want to say it goes back to the 80s. Steve oh Brown used to work God, at, you're I old. Know, uh, I know. So, Steve. Oh, sorry, Steve. Uh, I know you're going to say, like, ah, go back, like, I don't know, 2008. Whoa. No, no, you- no. Steve Brown, if I, Steve, uh, I think Steve used to work in uh, Mayor Jane Burns' press office way back. I mean, way back. Way back. But Steve Brown is a funny guy, very, very wry sense of humor. He could be very sarcastic. Uh, and he's used to dealing with people. Like, See, that's what I like about Steve Brown. He always returns a phone call. 
You know, I remember I was telling you about like some of these moderate Democrats <laughs> just don't respond to the guy. He's you know, a hippie, liberal, lefty guy. But Steve Brown always returns a phone call because he's not afraid to parry with you, parry with you. And so the, the Rachel Hinton uh, has his um, great quotes from Steve Brown. And uh, in the in the article, she's talking about how there were uh, a call for a legislative investigation has been invoked, invoked on two other occasions in the last decade after the arrest and indictment of former representatives Derek Smith and Louis Arroyo. God, man, these names from the past, Derek Smith. It's like every Democratic, corrupt Democrat I have like a connection to that I've read a story about, done an interview with. It's like... Proust eating the cookie and his entire life unfolds. I know nobody knows what I'm talking about with that uh-huh. one. Anyway, uh-huh. what is he talking about? Uh, Derek Smith was expelled by the House in 2012 after allegedly accepting a $7,000 cash bribe from an undercover FBI and FBI informant. The indicted Westside Democrat reclaimed his House seat later that year, but lost in 2014, despite having Madigan's endorsement. The lame duck Smith was convicted of bribery and attempted extortion in 2014. Asked about the 2014 primary, why Madigan was supporting Smith, Steve Brown told the Sun-Times, quote, we support incumbents. Brown was asked if the indictment was a factor in Madigan's decision, and he said, quote, I believe, let me go back and check. Oh, yeah, that's right. I believe you are presumed innocent until proven guilty. Brown said, isn't that right? That's classic Steve Brown, a wise guy. I believe, wait, let me go back and check it just to make sure. Oh, yes, you're innocent until proven otherwise. Steve Brown, you're all right by me. So, yes, Dennis, Michael Joseph Madigan should not step down, even though it's probably going to hurt the Democrats. But, but, you know, let's be real. Speaking of bipartisanship, when the Michael Madigan could resign tomorrow, or could have resigned two months ago. He could have gone to a monastery uh, pleading for forgiveness for uh, whatever he did wrong with Commonwealth Edison. And the Republicans would still put his head on the shoulders of J.B. Pritzker and Lori Lightfoot and everybody else in the state. And it comes to their campaign against the fair tax. So let's be honest, ladies and gentlemen, it's not like if Michael Madigan were to say, yeah, I did it. I apologize. I'm going to, uh, you know, go to prison here. Take me right now. If you were to do that right now, they would still be hammering away. In fact, they'd still be hammering away at Rob Bogoyevich, if not for the fact that Donald Trump uh, has turned Rob Bogoyevich into a Republican hero, something I thought that was impossible, by saying he was unfairly treated by the feds. So, hey, hey Michael Madigan, this is a suggestion. Why don't you endorse Donald Trump right now, just the way uh, Blanco did? What did Blanco say, D? That he's a Trumpocrat? Isn't that what he said? Yeah. He's a Trumpocrat, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to play that well, bit I'm not right that there. good. You just brought it up. <laughs> I always wait. He's going to play that bit. That bit where Trump, where uh, Boyer goes, I'm a Trump-a-cat. And then the guy in the background, yeah, Trump-a-cat. Trump-a-cat. Madigan, that, um, that's my suggestion. I don't know. Maybe if you endorse Trump, Trump will like flip-flop and tomorrow I'll be going, I like Michael Joseph Madigan. And then all these Republican GDIs would have a commercial. I've always gotten the well, gotten along well with Michael Joseph Madigan. Wouldn't that be something? Well, anyway, D, so that's uh, my talk. Open mic GOP panelists want Madigan's answers. Ah, yes, the Republican Party. They believe in good government. 
except when it's Republicans like Donald Trump performing badly. All right. What are the chances of us getting Steve Brown back on the program? Huh? Pretty good. I believe Steve Brown would always come on the show. He's not. All chicken. right. Let's reach out to I him. Believe Steve Brown let's reach out to him and come back on the show. Let's talk to always. old Steve-O. Might do a little ducking and dodging. Oh, that's okay. fine. You know, well, at least we got him on. That'll be good. All right. So that's our local news, everybody. Uh, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Uh, you can send us an email, Show at gmail.com. Send us whatever you want. And uh, you can, oh, and if you want us to, like, read your comment on the air, say your name and maybe where you're from. That kind of helps us out a lot. Kind of gives us some context, you know. Uh, and. And you can call us 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Doogie on the live stream chat said he's going to call us soon. Do it, Doogie. Do it. And we will play your voicemail. If you're listening live, by the way, click like, subscribe, and all that good stuff. Uh, and, yeah, that's it. We're going to take a little break here. And when we come back, JT20, Alder Woman Jeanette Taylor is going to be joining us. Don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, and we are live from, well, my apartment and Ben's <laughs> attic. Don't go anywhere.
Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, September 10th is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Finney J, take it away. You know, it's hard to say I have a favorite older woman or an older man. Uh, there's, I got my favorites. I'd like to say Mad Martin. I love you, Mad Martin. Carlos Ramirez Rosa. Love you, Carlos. Sue Garza. I've known her forever. Love you, Sue Garza. But the older woman we call JT, I love her because she tells it like it is. She tells it like she feels. She doesn't hold back. She's not afraid that she might get in trouble if certain people are listening to the show. She's going to tell it from her heart. And that's why I love Jeanette Taylor, the pride of joy of the 20th Ward, older woman Jeanette Taylor. Welcome back to my show, Jeanette Taylor. Hey, man, I missed you. It's been too long, too long. Nobody to start trouble with. <laughs> yeah, we're going to try to stay out of trouble. It's going to be a new Jeanette Taylor. This is a new Jeanette Taylor. Jeanette Taylor was listening to those Lauren Underwood commercials where Lauren was saying how she's bipartisan and she's going to work with other people. Jeanette Taylor is going to be a, watch this, ladies and gentlemen, new Jeanette Taylor. I'm going to tell you right now. Jeanette's already shaking her head. Uh, all right, Jeanette Taylor, a lot to talk about, the Obama Center. I, I, I always, before we do a dive on local issues, we have a lot of out-of-state listeners. So, folks, this is a very this is an important story about, teaches you about how Chicago works. So you can learn a lot about Chicago works and how politics works by listening to Jeanette Taylor talk about the Obama Presidential Center and what uh, she has done, the negotiations she's done with the city of Chicago and the Obama people to try to keep it from gentrifying the entire South Side. We're going to talk about cannabis. It's been a big topic of conversation on our show. I heard that uh, Jeanette Taylor has a few things to say about the recent application process we've had. Uh, And um, I may ask her about the National Guard. That's something I've been talking about on the show a lot, the resolution to bring the National Guard to Chicago. And, of course, we get into a national politics as well. Uh, Jeanette Taylor has some interesting things to say about Donald John Trump, president of the United States. But... um, uh, Jeanette, why don't we start with the Obama Presidential Center? Uh, big news yesterday. The city council had a crucial vote on that. And you've been on the show several times talking about it. So why don't you give folks uh, the new information? Go ahead. So basically, uh, my ward um, is right across from where the Obama Presidential Center is to be built in the city of Jackson Park. But historically, we know any time that big development comes to communities of color or or communities where low-income and working families live, that they get displaced. And so we asked from the very beginning, and I can find it now, Jackson Park was going to be um, chosen that OPC or community benefits agreement with us. And the president himself actually told me no. And so, you know, anything about mama... If you know anything about a black woman, you don't tell us no. We, we, you can't tell us no. And so I was told no. I, on that very thing, I ran for office. And one of the things I promised the community was that I was going to fight to protect them. And so Mayor Lori Lightford, from the very beginning, our first conversations were about displacement and how it wasn't going to have it happen. And I was going to fight the city, you know, hand to hand, toe to toe. And from the very beginning, she said, I agree with you. Um, But we couldn't agree on was how do we do that? And so the Woodline Housing um, Ordinance is a compromise. 
between the community, myself, and the city to say that we put some protections in place to protect the community. Um, we created more affordable housing in the ward. We have protections for homeowners. We have programs for people who make $50,000 um, to, to, you know, to even be able to get homeownership um, in the ward and to make sure that on a percentage of the city-owned lots, that we are building more affordable housing. And so it's definitely a win um, for the community. It's taken us about a year. The CBA coalition has been fighting for five years, which I was part of the coalition because I was displaced from Bronzeville and I wanted not to be displaced from Woodlawn. And so definitely a bittersweet day for me. Um, this does not do it all, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. You say bittersweet day. Talk about that a little bit, uh, Jeanette. Why is it bittersweet? Because it does something, but it doesn't do enough. Mm -hmm. Of course, as a community organizer, you know, we want it all. And we don't get it all. We do what? We flip over the tables. We want it all. Um, as a <laughs> an older woman, it's some compromise with the city. And, I, you know, I've realized that. And so the compromise was we didn't get as much money into those programs as I want um, I would still be pushing for that. And we wanted money in a trust. I don't think people realize that around the United Center, there's a property tax freeze that the United Center actually pays. And so that's what I would want for my community because I do have seniors. I do have people on fixed incomes. And I want them to say the first black president gets to put his, his center in our ward and we can't enjoy it. I, I'm not for that. And I'm not going to say it for it for the people that I represent. Well, that's uh, you're getting at a very uh, important uh, reality uh, that uh, people confront when you have a big project like the United Center. That's where the Bulls play for out of towners. Uh, it's on the near west side. And um, uh, when you have the Obama Center, which is uh, President Obama's presidential center, which is going uh, in Woodlawn on the south side. What happens when you have a big project like that in it? Uh, raises the prices of property in the area. And when you raise the price of property in the area, you're raising the taxes that people pay. And yeah. suddenly you'll have people who maybe, let's say, I'm just making this up, Jeanette, as I go along, are earning $30,000, but the city looks at their house as though the people had enough money to buy a house like that costs much, much more. So it's like they have, they're like pretending they're earning $100,000. And people come to you, I know, they'll be like, auto woman. I can't afford my property tax. Uh, and that is, that's, that's how gentrification works, right, Jeanette Taylor? And that's how people get forced out of their property. It's happened in this city over and over again. They never tell the story of the people that we're talking about being displaced in Woodlawn are people who were displaced when they knocked down the Chicago Housing Authority. We don't even talk about those folks anymore. So you're, you're continue to displace the very people that you, you, you're supposed to protect. And then we wonder why there's an influx of black folks who no longer live in the city. It's because of gentrification and we don't put laws and protections and policies in place to protect everybody. And so it's like, if I make $100,000, yeah, I could afford to kind of live what I want, but the median income in the Woodlawn is $27,000. And so what do you do for the people? You throw them away? Not on my watch. I'm no different than the people I represent. And so for me, we take care of everybody else. We got to start taking care of the little people because their taxes matter. They put money in tip. I don't go to the store and say, I don't want to pay taxes. 
So if I pay taxes, I got a right to be protected and I got a right to have a place to say. Housing is a human right and Chicago has not figured it out, but we're starting to, I feel like, a step in the right direction. Now, did you get uh, comments from people sort of behind the scenes uh, selling you things along the lines of, listen, Alderwoman, I know you ran uh, as an activist. I know you've been an activist your whole life, but now you're the Alderwoman, so you have to change uh, and you have to be more moderate and you have to play the game. Uh, and uh, so, you know, just tone down the rhetoric, uh, stop talking to people like Ben and you'll be fine. Did you get that kind of uh, response behind the scenes? Not really, because people know who I am. So what I'll say to you, I'll say to them. So people have already figured that out about me. I didn't get into politics to pussyfoot around and be friends. I got into politics because I'm tired of the people, the very people that we claim to protect and the very people that we claim that we love and that vote for us, we forget about them when we're in office. And so I'm not. The people that I represent are just like me. They might be a paycheck away. I'm a paycheck and a half away for not being able to afford it to live in the community I love. And so they don't never try to talk me down. When it came to the budget and things like that, it's no talking to Alderman Taylor. When my mind is made up and I've done my research and I've talked to the people, that's who I'm going to fight for and stand for. So not being, they're not going At the very beginning, of course, during the election, that I was that was kind of thrown around to me, like yeah. you know, you become an alderman, you you make a different type of money. Oh, that makes me special. Oh, because I'm an alderman, it makes me special. No, that's been the problem with this position for years. We treat it as if somebody owes us something, and like we don't work for the people of Chicago. I work for the constituents of the 20 Ward, and I respect them. And whatever it is that I can do to help them, I'm going to do. Uh, Alderwoman, before we leave the Obama Center uh, and go on to the next issue of uh, cannabis, uh, there is some... I have some doubt in the back of my mind that the Obama Center would uh, be even built. I was discussing this uh, with Candace Castillo uh, the other day. Get your thoughts on this. Uh, there's a lawsuit against uh, the Obama Center right now. It's dragging it's dragging on in the courts. Uh, the, Joe Biden is raising money from some of the same people who would donate to the Obama Center. What's your sense about whether the Obama Presidential Center will actually be built uh, at all? Uh, it's going to be built. They put too much work in it, too much time, and people have not, you know, donated to it because of this very issue. Um, people like, I'm not going to donate to you to displace the very people that we, we represented or we once were. And so I understand it, but I think it's going to happen. I think that they're at the end of that lawsuit when it comes to the bird sanctuary, if I'm not mistaken, with the friends yeah. in the park. Yeah. Um, but it's going to happen. They, they believe me once. All parties involved are happy, and I think there that we were. I thought we were going to be last, but it seems like it's the friends of the park who are going to be last. Then they'll break ground on it. And I'm just glad that people clearly understand that everybody in the city has a right to live here, and there has to be some accountability for what you want to do and how you do it. And so the fact right. that they take the, the the Lakeshore Drive or that drive is does not sit well with people. We're talking about parks. Parks are a vital part of what happens when it comes to asthma, when it comes to just some of those pre-existing conditions that exist in our community. So I clearly understand where the friends of the park are coming from. Yeah. But they have an opportunity to make it right. Just do what you're supposed to do and keep to your word. Too often when we make these deals with folks, they don't. But I'm here to make sure that they follow the rules, that they monitor these things, that they do everything they're supposed to do to step up every step of the way.
All right, let's move over to the cannabis discussion, Alder Woman. Uh, this is a popular theme on my show. I don't think I've ever discussed this with you, but we talk a lot about uh, legalizing uh, marijuana, reefer, cannabis, whatever you want to call it. And uh, my position has always been since uh, the black community took the brunt on the war on drugs, with the phony war on drugs, uh, where black people were thrown into jail for doing something that white people do all the time, freely, openly, uh, that the black community should be at the top of the list benefiting from the legalization of marijuana. Fair is fair. That was my position uh, from the get-go. To, to me, the only reason to legalize the thing in the world was to stop throwing people in the jail for smoking it. Uh, and so we had the first process of setting up people who are eligible to be in the lottery, to win licenses, to uh, operate dispensaries. And lo and behold, we have 21 applicants. We're not even sure if they're black owned. We don't even know who owns them. There's a lot of black owned uh, applicants that didn't get in the lottery. Uh, it just to me, and just feel free to vigorously disagree with me if you will, uh, Alder Woman. Just seems like it's all just the same old, same old uh, in the city of Chicago, in the state of Illinois. And I'm, I have to say, I'm disappointed. What's your thoughts on all this? This is what the city council voted against. You remember the first time that the Black Caucus voted in a in bulk, it was 16 votes and we voted no because we knew that they were not ready and we knew that the very people that we were supposed to help were not that were going to miss because there were not enough protections. And the state state electors basically called us irresponsible, arrogant, ignorant, like who do we think we are? Because at the end of the day, it's to your point, Ben, how many black and brown folks have gotten locked up for selling marijuana and now people of non-color gonna get to do it with no consequences freely? And so if that wasn't what was supposed to happen on the front end, we could have waited. And COVID caused us to wait, and here it is after May, and people, they still haven't gotten any black folks who gotten a license for dispensary. And don't give me that equity, I own 51%. No, that, that's not good enough. There are no black ownership when it comes to marijuana. And so we got it wrong. But the city, the city, the black caucus of the city council of Chicago was 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 ridiculed because we gave pushback. And so again, folks that look like us, folks that represent us, ain't willing to listen to us. We had home rules. Chicago should have been able to set up its own rules when it comes to it. And who we're elected because we know these communities, we know our neighborhoods. And the state just didn't listen. Wait, Jeanette, now I, I remember this. I talked a lot about it on the show, but I'm getting so old that all my memories are clouding up in my head and I can't uh, get the specifics. What, what was the specific issue that the Black Caucus and the Chicago City Council rebelled on and they were going to delay? What was, what was that specific issue? Because it didn't seem like that they had rules in place to reassure that the ownership would be Black. Yeah. And so that's what happened on the City Council. They had folks who may have had some ownership or they sent a black representative to say, y'all don't need to delay this, y'all don't need to delay this. Then we did the research to find out who these people actually work for. They was a bunch of owners that don't look like us. <laughs> so it's the same, it's the, it's the bait and switch thing. We'll send a black person to, to, to plead the case, but when it comes down to ownership, they don't look like us, they are not people of color. So basically they used 
folks to say that there was black ownership when there really is none. So what do you think should be done now going forward? That they should stop it until we get it right to make sure that black folks actually have, or people of color actually have ownership, black and brown folks. That's what we should be doing. They're so quick to make money. They're so quick. And you think about it. How much, how many, how many millions of dollars did they make in the first week, or first day of opening up these shops? Yeah. And not one person of color was able to get any of that money. Not in 2020. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one, uh, uh, Alder Woman. I really am. Because, again, I'll repeat this. For years and years, it was the black community on the west and the south side that took the hit on the war on drugs. And finally, it's legalized. Finally, it's legalized. It's such a joke, Jeanette. Everybody was smoking it. Everybody was smoking it, you know? But it's the same thing with crack cocaine. When crack cocaine came, the answer was to lock us up. Now you got the opioid crisis, now we're going to rehabilitate. Oh, so when, it's a, when it ain't us, when it ain't black folks, we take them to jail. But when it, I'm sorry, when it's black folks, we take them to jail, black and brown. But when it's white folks, we, we got rehabilitation. We got to do something. You should have been doing something for years. And locking people up, definitely, is not the answer. And so it's the same exact thing that we're going over and over again when it comes to cannabis. And I'm just, it's disheartening that the people who are running the show when it comes to this legislation, they skin folks. They, they look like us. But they are not willing to listen to the people who are actually on the ground saying that's not the way to do it. The people will get used. All right, uh, Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor, you mentioned uh, locking people up. Uh, let's get into the next issue on our agenda to talk about the National Guard, the resolution that was advanced in the Chicago City Council. Uh, we all know that Chicago has been a very violent city, that people uh, more often than not uh, take out their differences, not with rational and reasonable discussion like you and I have had for years, but they take out their distance or agreements uh, with fisticuffs, and then the next thing you know, a gun is pulled out and somebody is shot. We all know that we have a retaliation culture problem in the city of Chicago across the board, not just in black communities and white communities as well. But with all the guns out there right now, a lot, so many of these differences. So if I want to get a gun, I got to give my left leg, my right leg and my firstborn grandchild. But all of these illegal guns on the streets and we never talk about where they come from. We never talk about they hit the freight trains that have the guns in them. We never talk about that they dropping guns off in our community. That's never part of the conversation. But we're not going to talk about that, Ben. We're going to talk about the National Guards. Yeah. And right there is when we had technical difficulties in our interview with Jeanette Taylor. Our deepest apologies. We looked to get Jeanette Taylor back on the program. We did catch the end of the interview, though, her talking all about the POTUS election. So, Jeanette Taylor, take it away. Y'all looking for 45 to do that? No. He needs a way to, it's like he he picks on Chicago because he doesn't have a good relationship with Lori. And really, honestly, I don't care what his relationship is. He is to be ignored. And despite him picking on veterans, him talking about people in the Navy, just all of the foolishness he's done, I'm trying to figure out why he still gets our attention. He's just not. So, uh, as I recall, uh, Joe Biden was not your first choice to be the Democrat. My memory, and correct me if I'm wrong, in that uh, you were for Bernie, as I recall, uh, as was I. I still feel the burn. I might write that on my 
If I didn't think that this that every that he needed every vote to get Mike Wood, I would write Bernie on my my ballot. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel the same <laughs> way, Jeanette Taylor. Uh, but I will be voting. I'm telling you right now, Jeanette, I am definitely voting for Joe Biden. Uh, I can't wait for that moment when I get to vote. Never. I don't think I've ever been as enthusiastic about voting. I don't know if enthusiastic is the right word. Scared or frightened is probably more word. I am frightened by this president and where he's taking us. And, uh, but what we can do is let because we vote blue um, deter us from making Joe Biden do his job and, and acting. What I, what my struggle with all of this is people act like that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris haven't done some things that ain't respectful, that ain't right. We let's let's not forget it. And then how do we push the people? One of my biggest complaints to people about Barack was, what did we really ask Barack to do? We just assumed he'll do it. Biden doesn't get that pass, him or Kamala. It's, this is what our agenda is. These are the things we need to push. And we need to be pushing them on every step of the way. And so, yes, they're going to get my vote, hands down, because I, I can't take 45 anymore. Even people who supported this man have lost their lives. But we got to get it to, it's just always be the red or blue. And I struggle with that a lot, or green. Let me say that there is a green party. But I struggle with that. But we got to get to a place where just because we vote Democratic doesn't mean we don't push people on things and issues that matter to us. Biden is going to have to change a lot what he says about police accountability, around reparations, and around education. And Let's not forget he already has to fix some of the damage that was done by 45. And so I'm hoping he implements a lot of things back that he just closed and took out, like the Department of Health, like common sense stuff. But I definitely, Kamala and Biden have their, their work cut out for them. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, we shouldn't have a, a, a repeat of what happened in 2009 when Barack Obama was elected with Joe Biden as his running mate and everybody was like, oh, whatever you want to do, Mr. President. <laughs> and the left stopped pushing and he moved right. And we all know what happened. By the way, when you said that thing about people who supported uh, 45 have died, I just thought, immediately thought of Herman Cain. Uh, who was foolish enough, I shouldn't say this about a man who died, but he went to Tulsa in that rally and just sat out there without a mask and the, and the Republican party just ignores him. Jeanette Taylor, like he doesn't exist anymore. He gave his life up to the orange man. The Republican party don't have to get over themselves. Cause at the end of the day, we need to live in a progressive United States and because of what they have. And that, those are the elections we need to be looking at. We need to unseat them cause they don't have sense. I, I, I just, I'm tired of living in a country where I pay taxes where I, I vote, where I do what I'm supposed to do, and I'm still seen as a second or third class citizen because they're just dead banked on holding on to this power that ain't theirs. It's actually the people. We can't collect this. I make $120,000 a year. I wouldn't be able to do it if y'all would pay y'all taxes. Thank you to the good taxpaying folks of the city of Chicago. Thank you for this health insurance. Thank you for being able to take my child to a dentist. And so if, if that's the case, I should be running what the people want me to run. And I and I, I bet you if we had these conversations that we don't have, we would see that there are more people on our side than we think. Well, that's what I've been arguing for years, and I've been told by the powers that be in the Democratic Party that no. It's a it's a centrist world and you have to move right constantly. Uh, so I'm looking forward as you are, number one, defeat Donald Trump. Number one. Number one. Number two. 
hold Joe Biden accountable. Uh, all right, Jeanette Taylor, thank you so much. Alderwoman of the 20th Ward, we call her JT. And uh, I, I say this to you all the time. I miss being in the studio. They have you right there, right in front of me. Uh, so I see you on the TV. You can't see me because my computer's so old. I don't have a camera. But you look great. Stay safe. Stay sound. And I'll talk to you real soon. All right, Jeanette? Thanks. All right. That's a great Jeanette Taylor, Alderman of the 20th Ward. The sound was going in and out, uh, as I understand. But I think most of it came through. Right, D? Uh, yeah. I miss the studio days, too, Ben. Uh, my computer just completely crapped out during the interview. There's about five minutes there where... Uh, we didn't have anything. Uh, I, I, f- I figured it out, and I got it going, and I just turned it back up, and you guys were talking like you uh, didn't even know. We didn't know. Uh, I didn't <laughs> Sorry, know. man. That was on a... It was funny because, uh, oh, God, we're really shattering the fourth wall here. Oh, what the hell? It's a podcast. Uh, my phone was ringing like crazy when I'm on the air live. I don't look at my phone. I don't... Yeah, that was me. That was me. Dennis. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> so, uh-oh. what I think we yeah. should do is uh, we should talk to Jadette Taylor again and maybe just have a, a bonus or a one on one where you guys talk about uh, the the cannabis licenses because that's kind of where it cut out. Ah, uh, okay. So, right, we'll bring Jadette Taylor back. Maybe we should do uh, that. Anyway. All right, but we're going to still re-air this thing as the podcast. Um, all right, uh, do you got any updates before uh, we head out the door? Absolutely, I do. Uh, apologies to uh, the live stream chat there. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the hell happened. My computer was just like, done, not working anymore, <laughs> completely crapped out. And I'm like, oh, no, so I had to restart everything, and we were live, and that's the first time that's ever happened, hopefully the last, right? Ben? Yeah, I hope so. It's funny because Jen and I didn't know. Yeah, I know, know, right? And like everyone on the live stream chat's like, wait a minute, they didn't even they didn't even know what was going on. And I'm like, Yeah, I know, weird, right? This is a first. Yeah, yeah we so, didn't know it all. Hey. We made it work. All right. Uh, we do have an update here. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and the one and only Fran Man Spielman. Uh, the headline reads, Lightfoot says, Bob Woodward has some explaining to do. You have some explaining to do about his explosive new Trump book. Uh, it says here, Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden has responded to the explosive revelation in Woodward's latest book by accusing Trump of having, quote, knowingly and willingly lied to the American people. For months, uh, Biden said during a campaign event in Michigan, he knew how dangerous it was. And while a deadly disease ripped through our nation, he failed to do his job. Uh, Lightfoot is an ardent Biden supporter who sees things the same way. But she also argued Wednesday that Woodward, uh, who earned the Pulitzer Prize for his reporting on the Watergate scandal that uh, culminated in the resignation of President Richard Nixon, also had some explaining to do. Lightfoot said, quote, Bob Woodward is a very interesting guy. As you know, he's obviously been heralded as a great reporter, but you'll recall that there were also things that he knew late in the Bush term and apparently withheld for a book. I'm going to stop there, Ben Jarofsky. Give us your thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts. A lot of thoughts on this one. Uh, And uh, in the abstract, she's making a very good point. Uh, David Sirota, our, our old friend, David Sirota, Bernie uh, Sanders' speechwriter, who uh, now has his own blog, uh, he's a leftist writer, uh, made similar points uh, chastising uh, Bob Woodward. And this is like an old ethical debate uh, in journalism. So if you, it's like some people won't do off the record. 
There's some there's some reporters who just absolutely refuse to have off the record conversations uh, on the grounds that they do not want to have to uh, honor a pledge to shield the uh, news that the public should know. So you're almost like complicit uh, with a politician or a public official if you go off the record. So uh, the classic case where people in 1961, I think it was, uh, 1961 or 62, who knew about the Bay of Pigs operation that John Kennedy was proposing, an invasion of Cuba, but kept it quiet because Kennedy, President Kennedy had asked these reporters uh, not to go public with it. And so they were concealing information that the American people should have known that their president was considering an invasion of another country. So that's an example of the ethical considerations a reporter has to take into account when he or she decides to go off the record. Uh, so Bob Woodward's a similar thing. He signs these deals or he makes these pledges. I don't know if he literally signs anything uh, with the members of various administrations that he's writing a book about saying, I'm going not to keep this embargo, all this information uh, until what? Well, some cases after you're out of office and then I'm going to write a book and tell people what was really going on. Uh, And so he learns that Donald Trump actually realizes that the Coronavirus uh, is a dangerous virus, could kill a lot of people. Uh, and yet he, Woodward doesn't share that. And so he allows Donald Trump to uh, pretend as though the virus is not dangerous and that it's disappearing and that it will disappear as soon as the warm weather comes and that we don't really have to wear masks, sending out those mixed messages. He's still sending out those mixed messages. He's still having big rallies uh, where, he, where people aren't required to wear masks. So, yeah, Bob Woodward uh, has a lot to answer for uh, on this one, D. Uh, maybe we would have been better off as a civilization or society uh, had he released that. On the other hand, <laughs> on the other hand, of all the people in the world who would be <laughs> condemning him for that, it would be the mayor of the city of Chicago. Not this mayor. The previous mayor sat on the little Quan McDonald tape for how long? Rahm Emanuel would have still been sitting on that Laquan McDonald tape uh, if it wasn't for a judge forcing him to to release it. So that was one mayor. And this particular mayor has done nothing that egregious. I kind of say that about Lori Lightfoot. But she is sitting on the Eddie Johnson report. We talk about this all the time. The report that the inspector general commissioned about Eddie Johnson, you know, the former uh, police chief that uh, was unceremoniously fired by Lori Lightfoot. And uh, she, you know, threw him under the bus and drove over him. There's a report on that report paid for with public dollars by the inspector general, public employee. And she says, no, I don't have to release that. None of your business. I don't care what kind of questions you ask me. So, I, you know, it's like, <laughs> wait a minute. It's either you come forth with information that the public needs to know or you don't come forth with information that the public needs to know. So, yeah, I Kind of like I said, D, I agree with Lori Lightfoot in the abstract, but we don't live in the abstract. We live in the city of Chicago. Well, what do you think about uh, Lightfoot's uh, new approach here uh, in politics? Kind of, you know, I'm I'm sick of arguing with these hipsters in Logan Square. I'm just going to battle uh, the national people. Uh, what do you think of her approach here, trolling Washington? Well, I think it's a, a smart political approach. I th- we've talked about this before. Donald Trump is hugely unpopular in Chicago. 
Hugely unpopular. In fact, the only people that really openly like him are the Fraternal Order of Police. I saw John Canizera, your good friend, oh. uh, endorse. <laughs> I always just do that to see oh, Johnny C. <laughs> yeah. He endorsed him. I go, oh, okay, that. Uh, there you go. That'll really help the organization endorsing the most unpopular politician. Uh, but um, so, yeah, it's smart politics uh, for Lori Lightfoot to do that. And, uh, you know, she's positioning herself. So she's saying, like, the radical fringe on one hand, like the Chicago Teachers Union, they don't like me. And the Fraternal Order of Police doesn't like me, so I must be doing something right. I think it's really unfair to equate lefties with the Fraternal Order of Police who endorses Trump. Uh, but uh, I think that's really unfair. It's a false equivalency, but um, that's what she's doing. That's the game she's playing, and it's working well. I haven't seen a poll in a while, but the last polls that they were showing, so she was exceedingly popular, particularly in the north side of Chicago. So obviously the Northsiders love it when she bashes Trump. I kind of love it when she bashes. Take kind of out of the sentence. I love it when she bashes Trump. I'll be honest with you, D. Yeah, you actually um, do. You really enjoy it when she bashes Trump. Yeah, go get him out, Lori. <laughs> you know, I like it when our mayor bashes Trump. What the hell? He's always bashing us. Hey, Trump. You know, I don't, hey, Trump. I won't just turn the car around. I'm going <laughs> to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out, and I'm going to make you walk home. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, there you go. I'm all right. Yeah, I'm going to vote for her again. You hear that, Jay Marie? He's going to vote for her again. Your well, thoughts, please, on the live stream. Well, all right. It's just a rhetorical thing. <laughs> Don't hold me to that one, all right? Yeah, I got new. I'm, I'm, I'm liable to flip-flop, you know, just like I did with Madigan. Yeah, yeah, that's that noise. Uh, new listeners. Yeah, he voted for uh, Mayor Lightfoot. Okay. Uh, and oh, hey, Ben, you were talking about ducking and dodging. What's the duck and dodge sound effect? We know flip flop. What's duck and dodge? Duck and dodge. It's like. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Jeanette Taylor doesn't duck and dodge. She tells it like it is. No, well, she JD. doesn't. My uh, my computer ducks and dodges. It just crapped out during the interview. Like I said, we'll try and get Jeanette Taylor back because you guys cut out right when you were talking about uh, the the licenses for. Uh, oh my candles. god! I'll re- I'll just tell you what she said. Uh, what a bunch of BS. That basically sums it all up. That we had this whole uh, process. We have this law that uh, legalizes marijuana, legalizes cannabis. We had a whole process set up to guarantee that some black-owned businesses get a piece of the action. And lo and behold, <laughs> when all is said and done, you got all these people lined up to uh, in a lottery to get the licenses, and we don't even know if they're black-owned companies or not. I don't know. I, she shares my frustration, to put it mildly, with the process. Now, you said BS. Did she say BS, or did she, you know, say did she? No, Jeanette did not swear this time around. Jeanette's been known to drop that, you know, a few swear words, uh, but she did not swear this time around. Uh, So, yeah. No, you didn't miss any uh, F-bombs or BS bombs or anything like that. Nothing like that uh, from Jeanette Taylor. All right. So, listeners, if you're wondering, yeah, you didn't miss any of that. All right. Well, uh, it'd be great to hear her talk about it again. We got to try to reschedule it. Uh, we do have another update here. This comes from our friends at Block Club Chicago. Uh, this comes from Kelly Bauer, maybe the hardest working uh, writer there at Block Club Chicago. Uh, the headline reads Want to avoid crowded buses and trains? We were just talking about this earlier, Ben. Crowded uh, trains. Well, CTA has a new tool so you can look up when they're busy. This is 
Interesting. Uh, it says the CTA has a new tool to help travelers see when their buses and trains will be less crowded. The tool is meant to help riders who want to practice social distancing and avoid crowded trains and buses amid the coronavirus pandemic. This is according to the mayor's office. Uh, the CTA already offered information on when bus routes are crowded using historical data, but now the dashboard will include data on L cars so riders have an idea of when their train might be busy. Ben, when was the last time you rode the train? Oh my God. Uh, March 11th, I want to say. It was uh, that second week of March. And by the way, we could use this. Dennis and I used to, uh, one, of the, one of the things I really miss, we would finish a show at the old studio on the near west side. And then we would walk. We'd take a nice yeah. walk. And it was cold out. It was this, this winter. We would walk all the way from uh, Racine, I want to say, along Madison uh, to the Brown Line. And we would get on the train. And we'd have with this, like, there would be that moment after doing that nice, vigorous walk. Like, we have to make that determination. Should we get in this car, which is really crowded, uh-huh. overflowing with people? It's so pre-pandemic. Like, el- people's got elbows in each other's ears and stuff like that. It's so crowded. Or should we wait for the next train? And I was always a big advocate. Let's wait for the next train. And uh, so that was our strategy. Uh, you know, if only we had that app then. Uh, but I had my own app in my head. No, D, I think the next train's going to be a good one. And so we would wait and get our, get our own seat, and then I would fall asleep. Ah, the good old days, huh, D? Ah, the good old days. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a long time since I've been on a train. Oh, you know all the little shortcuts. Now, look, if you get off on this stop, uh, you can avoid less people. You get on before it gets crowded. D, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I used to make them walk. Sometimes I'd make them walk all the way to uh, the merchandise mart. Get on the merchandise mart. So we got to go around the loop, but you're guaranteed a seat. And he'd be like, oh, you're such a wise man. You really know your stuff. What can I say? So I, I'm like, they should just have an app for me. I'll tell you how to do it. Uh, all you hipsters out there with your apps. Oh. You don't need an app. Just call Ben. He'll yeah, tell you. hipsters, you need Ben. <laughs> Millennials, you need Ben. He's got a new phone, guys. He's figured it all out. Yeah, ignore it. <laughs> I got this brand new phone. It's ring, ring. Lisa Solomon, she also called. I saw ring. I'm ignoring it. I'm like, guys, I'm in the middle of a show. Anyway. Well, kind of, because we weren't, we weren't on the on the air so got a little weird there and that was the first time that's ever happened yeah feel bad about that oh that's all right the live stream chat they're cool they're good they're good people they're fine with it uh i guess that's today's program uh make sure to find us on social media at benny j show b-e-n-n-y the letter j show on facebook twitter and instagram you can always send us an email benny j show at gmail.com if you'd like us to read your comment on the show put your name and where you're from it's very helpful. Makes us, you know, seem legit, like a legit message. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, some random person, right? That's just weird. So leave your name and where you're from. It could be a fake name. We don't, we don't know. Just leave a name and where you're from, and we'll try to read your comment. And you can call us. Yes, send us a voicemail, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. We haven't gotten a voicemail in a while. Leave us one, and uh, if it's a good one or not crazy, we will play it. Ben, that's it. 
All right. Very good. Jeanette Taylor, thank you very much. Outstanding job, uh, as always. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of all in Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. The man they call Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. No collusion. No collusion. I won't just turn the car around. I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out. And I'm going to make you walk home. As a kid, I loved the Batman TV show. No collusion.